Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us as we open God's Word and learn how to serve and glorify Him. The lesson that you're about to hear takes a look at that very well-known story of Peter walking on the water. If you would, please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, and let's see what we can learn about our lives as Christians today from Peter walking on the water. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says, the next time you think you're perfect, try walking on the water? I think the point behind that sticker is, well, the only person that ever walked on the water was Jesus, and He did so because He was God, being perfect. However, if we take a look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, we find out that, in fact, we don't have to be perfect to walk on the water. Could there be anybody more imperfect than Peter himself? Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. In Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22, the Bible reads, Matthew 14, 22, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to think, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped Him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. What must it have been like for Peter to step out of that boat and for a few moments walk on water? That's impossible, we would say, and yet Peter did it. We look at ourselves today, and as we consider a parallel with this story, I think we're wanting to do something equally as impossible. We want to overcome Satan. We want to overcome sin. And at times, we feel like that it'd be easier to walk on water. And yet, I believe as we consider this parallel, we can learn some lessons from what happens to Peter here in Matthew chapter 14. Verses 22 through 33. As he walked on water, and as we strive to do something, leaning on Jesus as well. Before we look at this chapter, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Glorious Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you. We're so thankful for your Son, whose blood cleanses us from our iniquities. And Father, we pray that we will ever look to the sacrifice that he made, glorifying and honoring him, living with that sacrifice in mind. Father, help us never to treat that sacrifice lightly, thinking that we can simply rely on it but live however we want to. We pray, Father, that we'll live in faith, believing not only in You, but believing, honoring You and Your Word, submitting to what You have said. Father, we pray that You would be our deliverer, that You would be our strong and mighty power, our fortress, our shield, our refuge, and our great rock. We pray that You would deliver us from sin, 
We pray that You would deliver us from the tempter and his traps that he's laid for us. Father, we pray that You would strengthen our faith, that we would always look to You, and that when we've fallen, that we'll turn back to You. Father, we love You and we praise Your name through Your Son. Amen. I want you to just think about this scenario that happened in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22 through 33. The very first thing that we learn from this story is that if we want to walk with Jesus, we have to get out of the boat. Think about what's going on. I'm often afraid. I tried to find a nice little graphic, and I don't even really like the graphic that I've got on the slide. They would actually portray what exactly is going on here, because I think most of the time in our minds, we think, even though we know the wind is blowing, we just kind of have this calm and serene sea, and we think about Peter getting out of this boat calmly and serenely. But remember, these twelve men had been rowing all night long. There in Matthew 14, it says that they were in the fourth watch of the night. That's between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. According to John chapter 6 and verse 19, they had gone about 3 or 4 miles, and my understanding is the entire journey was about 6 miles. Twelve men had rowed all night long, and the wind and the waves were so bad they couldn't get the boat to shore. Can you imagine how tired, how exhausted, and how scared they were about whether or not they would even survive the night? And the Master, who in Matthew chapter 8 had resolved this very same problem by calming the seas, is not even there. And as they face the wind and the waves, they see something. An apparition, perhaps. It looks like a ghost. But then it says something. A recognizable voice. Don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter, recognizing the voice, cries out and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. Now, how crazy is that? That is absolutely insane. The wind is blowing, the waves are coming, water sloshing into the boat, and he hears Jesus out on the water, and Peter says, well, tell me to come to you. And so Jesus says, come on. And Peter did. Now, have you just thought about this? As Peter's getting out of the boat, how do you think he did that? Do you think he kind of held on to the side? Now, the side's banging up and down on the waves. The wind is blowing. Do you think he just kind of held on to the side and, and, and kind of leaned over and got his foot down there and tested it to see if it would be solid? Or do you think he may have just jumped out of the boat? What do you think? Can you imagine that? I mean, just picture in our mind what Peter had to do there. Why? would he do something so crazy? I'll tell you why. Because Peter believed that it was safer in the middle of the storm with Jesus than in the middle of the boat without Him. That's faith. Peter believed it was safer in the middle of the storm with Jesus than in the middle of the boat without Him. Think about the tricks and the games that Satan plays with us. Peter cried out, Lord, if it is You, 
That's the part of the question that Satan wants us to hone in on. That if part of the question. The doubt part of the question. Satan wants us to doubt. Is it really Jesus? Does Jesus really exist? Is this really His Word? Is He really calling to us? Is He really saying, get out of the boat? You see, what Satan would rather have us believe is that it's safer for us in the middle of the boat of man's making. That it's safer for us in this world to be in the boat of our making. To work on our strength and do what we believe is necessary to protect us from the storms. He wants us to believe that it's safer for us to be in the boat of our culture's making. That if we just do things the way our culture says and the way society says, that that is what's going to keep us safe in the middle of the storm. But what we have to understand is that it is safer to be in the middle of the storm with Jesus than to be in the middle of the boat without Him. If we want to walk on water, if we want to overcome sin, if we want to overcome Satan, if we want to overcome temptation, we have to get out of the boat. And people think we're crazy. People won't understand. People will mock us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.14, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he can't understand them because they're spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. We're jumping out of the boat in the middle of the storm. People are going to think we're nuts. They're not going to understand it. We're going to look different from them. We're going to value different things than they do. We're going to pursue different things than they do. We're going to respond differently than they respond. And they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand it because they don't appraise spiritual things. There are going to be times when we think we're crazy. can't believe I'm getting out of the boat. And yet, if we want to walk on water, we have to get out of the boat. But think about this again. Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water. What do you think he expected to happen at that point? I think he expected the storm to stop. After all, Jesus had done that back in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus had calmed the sea. Peter, with this great demonstration of faith, jumps out of the boat, gets on the water, and I believe he expects the storm to stop. Now, the reason I believe he expects it is because I take a look at a man who had enough faith to get out of the boat in the middle of the storm. When did his faith waver? When the storm didn't stop. This is not an issue of his faith at the beginning of this whole venture. I mean, how many of us would jump out of the boat when it wasn't storming? to walk on water. And yet Peter had that kind of faith. His faith wavered when the storm didn't stop. This is something we need to understand when we're walking on the water, when we're striving to overcome sin and Satan, when we're striving to conquer temptation in our lives. We just need to understand this. The storm doesn't stop when we get out of the boat. When we say that I'm going to walk to Jesus and I'm going to take His hand and I'm going to do what He says and I'm going to get out of the boat and I'm going to fight this storm and endure this storm His way, the storm is not going to stop. How many of us became, became Christians thinking that once we came out of the watery grave of baptism, things were going to be easy? 
temptation would fall away. Everybody in our family would think it was awesome. All of our friends would love the new me because now I'm this great Christian who does all these good things and they're all just going to love it and I'm not going to have temptation anymore and all my God's just going to make it easy to believe in Him and all the doubts are going to go away. How many of us thought that might be the way it is? And then we became Christians. And we were still the same people that we were before we went into the baptistry. All that training of our bodies was still there. All that training of our mind was still there. The temptation was still there. Many of our friends weren't happy with us and began to persecute and make fun of us. Some of our family, I've known Christians that have been disowned because they became Christians. All the doubts that the skeptics raised, still there. All the temptation, all the attacks of Satan. All of it was just still there. The storms still happen. Our friends and loved ones still die. We still get laid off of our jobs. We still get sick. All of those things still happen. We just have to understand this. If we want to walk on the water, We've got to get out of the boat. But when we get out of the boat, the storms aren't going to stop. We must not enter naively, believing that they will, but rather be prepared to walk with Jesus in the midst of the storm. Because it is still safer in the middle of the storm with Jesus than in the middle of the boat without Him. We know the story. Peter wavered, looking at the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. And Jesus rebuked him. He said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What we recognize there from that rebuke is that Peter had no excuse. Jesus didn't pull any punches. Jesus didn't hold off and say, Oh, it doesn't really matter. Hey, you know, it's really tough walking on water. I understand. He said, You didn't believe. Why did you not have faith? Why did you doubt? And yet, when he gave that rebuke, he also provided the solution. How do we walk with Jesus in the middle of the storm? We've got to keep our faith throughout the storm. Whatever Satan hurls at us, whatever temptations, whatever doubts, whatever persecution, whatever oppression, whatever problem Satan continues to use, there's only one solution. We have to believe. The same faith that caused us to jump out of the boat is the faith we need to maintain to walk on the water with Jesus. Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Paul wrote in Romans 10 and verse 17, So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's only one place from which we can derive faith. There's only one place we can go to increase and maintain our faith. And this is it. You ever feel like the storm is overwhelming? You ever feel like, I just can't make it? I can't keep up this walk? How much time are you spending in this? This is not a matter of assignment. This is not a matter of Christians need to read five or ten chapters or fifteen or thirty minutes every day. This is a matter of a lifeline. This is our lifeline to God. God has sent out the lifeline to us as we're there having jumped out of the boat, 
His hand is stretching out to us and it's stretching out through this because this is where we can have faith. This is where we will grow in our belief and trust in God. How much time do we spend in this? I'll tell you what. When we increase our faith through the study and application of God's Word, we'll be unstoppable. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 says, you know it well, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can overcome sin. I can overcome Satan. I can win this battle through Christ who strengthens me. There's only one way for that to take place. Increasing faith through the Word of God. You want to see people victorious in faith, just read Hebrews chapter 11. And learn about Abel and Noah and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. These are all people that relied on God and relied on His Word. And they had victory through faith. They got out of the boat. And they walked hand in hand with God. And they won. We've got to maintain the faith throughout the storm. There's another lesson that we learn from this chapter. And that's the lesson that sinks will happen. Peter got out on the water. It wasn't a question of faith as far as at the beginning. I mean, again, just think about what it would take to get out of the boat in the middle of the storm. Peter had faith when he got out of the boat. But he looked around at the storm and he took his eyes off Jesus and he started to fall. He started to sink. And I just want you to envision that in your mind, by the way, because one of the things I don't like about these pictures that I keep finding is that you find Peter like he's standing halfway in the water. Like he's just, like the surface has moved from the level of the water to about waist deep. What happens when you sink in water in the middle of a storm? I mean, straight down. I don't think Peter was kind of, oh no, it's going down, and reached out his hand. Peter went through the water and he's splashing about. And that's what we would do if we were in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm. Sinks will happen. One of the things we learn from this is that walking on water is a process. It's not an event. And our victory over sin and Satan is a process. It's not an event. It's not an issue of one day we had enough faith and now life is going to be easy after that. It's an issue of maintaining and growing and continuing on. And let's just face it, sinks will happen. Now, I recognize it's not absolute. Certainly, if we always, forever, for the rest of our lives, always, always, always made the right choices, then we're not going to sink. But on a very practical level, I think we've all been Christians long enough, or those of us who have been Christians, to recognize that it's happened to us already. And it will probably happen to us again. John himself, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, said this about himself and about the apostles, it seems to me, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. John was saying, look, if I'm going to tell you I haven't sinned again, that I'm not going to sin again, I'm going to be lying to you. It's not an issue of just giving ourselves over to it. It's just an issue of practicality. We just need to come to grips with the fact that it's going to happen. Sinks 
will happen. There are times when we'll turn away from God. Because that's the battle that we're fighting. And so my question is, what about you? Did you lie again? Cheat again? Steal again? Commit immorality again? Get high again? Get drunk again? Did you lust again? Did you covet again? Did you have materialism again? Did you use foul language again? Blow up in anger again? Respond with vengeance again? Did you gossip again? Pass on slander stories again? I don't want to minimize any of those things because all of them are dreadful. And all of them can destroy our souls and cause us to drown in the water. But at the same time, I do want us to realize that when those things have happened, we don't have to spend sleepless night in fear thinking we've made our brethren look bad. We don't have to spend our time thinking that God doesn't want anything else to do with us anymore. We don't have to spend our time being afraid that that that's it, it's over, I can't be a Christian, I'm not strong enough, I can't make it. We don't have to be like that. Because we can do what Peter did when his sink happened. And we can turn back to Jesus and cry out to Him, Lord, save us. And that brings us to the fifth lesson we learned from this chapter is that when we turn back to Jesus, He will save us. I imagine with Peter and the other eleven apostles, I imagine that, that probably when they looked at Peter and they thought about this night on the boat, the thing that they remembered was Peter sank. But I bet the thing that Peter remembered was that when he sank and he cried out to Jesus for help, Jesus did it. What do we expect in this situation? Here Peter has presumptuously, Jesus, if it's you, let me come out there. And he did, and he's out there, and then he got scared and he fell, and he calls out, Jesus, save me, Lord, save me. What do we expect Jesus to do? Walk on by and say, look, if you ain't got the faith to cut it, that's just too bad. Or perhaps say to him, you know what, Peter, you should have thought about this before you got out of the boat. Or maybe, you know, just trying to impress upon Peter all how bad this is, say, you just sit there for a while and let him founder around for a while, and then finally at the last minute, reach out and grab him and pull him in and then give him a real good lecture. And yet Jesus didn't do any of those things. When Peter cried out, Lord, save me, the text tells us immediately Jesus reached out His hand. When our sinks happen, don't wallow in it. Don't continue in it. But turn to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to drown. Sometimes I think we might have this image of God as though He's this God up there who, who's just waiting for us to mess up so He can zap us. That's not what He's doing. This is the God that sent His Son to die for us so that He could get us into heaven. He wants to save us. 
He wants to save us His way, however. He will wait until we turn to Him. He will wait until we cry out to Him. 1 John 1, if you've still got your Bible open to that passage, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, John had talked about if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But in verse 9 it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't say if we confess our sins, He's going to dangle them over our heads for a while. He doesn't say that if we confess our sins, He's going to dangle us over the pit of hell so that we can realize how hot it is for a while and be sufficiently scared. He says if we confess our sins, He'll forgive us. He wants us to be saved. Again, I'm not trying to say that it's all right to sin. It's not. Sin will destroy us. And if we, if we keep thinking that God's grace allows us to just go ahead and sin and it doesn't matter, then we're never going to overcome sin. And we'll be lost because the wages of sin is death. But if we realize that it's safer in the middle of the storm with Jesus than in the middle of the boat without Him, and we maintain our faith, and when the sinks happen, instead of wallowing in it in self-pity and misery, turn back to Jesus, accepting His salvation His way, He will save us immediately. You don't have to be perfect to walk on the water. We don't have to be Jesus to overcome sin and Satan. We just have to be with Jesus. Where are you right now? I hope this lesson was beneficial to you, edifying you and strengthening you as you strive to walk hand in hand with Jesus to increase your faith and serve God even in the face of storms. Let's remember the five lessons we learned from Peter walking on the water. Lesson one, we've got to get out of the boat. Lesson two, the storms won't stop when we get out of the boat. Lesson three, we have to maintain our faith when we get out of the boat. Lesson four, sinks will happen when we get out of the boat. Lesson five, Jesus will save us when we turn to him. If you have any questions about Peter, the apostles, about what Jesus did with the apostles, about anything in the scripture or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359. Or you may reach us through our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com Perhaps someone has given you this lesson on CD or on audio tape. If that's the case, let me invite you to go back to that website that I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com We have numerous lessons there, both in outline and in audio format, that you're free to download and use in whatever way you believe will honor and glorify God. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.